0: Good morning, Village Church. It is good to see you this morning. Welcome to Church Online. We're excited that you're with us again this morning to worship. In lieu of not being together as a family face-to-face, this has been an awesome way of staying in contact. We get to sing together, praise together. We get to worship together. We get to listen to God's Word together and make comments on the in the process. And so I'm glad to see you this morning with your family, gather around your television. Let me give you a second. If you don't have your communion stuff together, Feel free to run and get whatever you have in your pantry for uh, communion. We're going to be doing that at the end of the service again today, as we always do, as a, as a way for us to remember that we still are in communion with God and with one another together. I also want to tell you, if you're anxious to see some faces, come to our congregational meeting tonight. I know you just heard about it, but I want to give an extra uh, plug in for you to be there. You're going to get to see a lot of folks. You're going to have a chance to participate. And we have some updates as to what's going on with the church, the offering that we sent down to Hope for Venezuela and some other items that we just want to make you aware of. We want to stay in contact with you as best as we can. And this is one way that we get to do that. I don't know about you, but in every way, things these days seem to be amplified. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like everything's bigger? You know, amplified worries, amplified dangers. Remember when we considered dangerous things to be like, hunting for bear with a bow and arrow, or bungee jumping, or uh, transporting dynamite, or uh, smoking while hooked up to an oxygen machine. Do you remember those days? Well, now that's nothing. Now going to the grocery store like I did last week is living on the edge without a mask. And uh, it, everything in our world just seems to be amplified to the point where everything's bigger and harder to deal with. It used to be a cruel experiment to stick more than one mouse in a small environment with others, stick them with other mice and see how they fare. But now all of us have been in our homes with the door shut for a lengthy period of time. And uh, now we expect everything to just work out. So if you're in the same category as I am, where just everything seems to be just amplified bigger, then you're in a good place this morning because we're going to be talking about a new series that we're beginning today on the plagues. <laughs> I know it's, it's so ironic that we're talking about a topic like the plagues, Moses and the Exodus and the plagues, especially with what we're dealing with today. But what happens when we deal with these amplified situations is that we have a tendency to, to create more fear, and fear al- almost always breeds more doubt. For Moses, it was very much this way. He is, he is fearful of what God's asking him to do. He's 80 years old, called out of his home in Midian. He has a strong family. He has, he has a solid work job position that he has. He's entrusted with a lot of responsibility. And now God's calling him to go do a job at 80 years old to rescue the people of God from Egypt, from slavery. He experiences a good amount of angst and fear, and doubt. Doubt is the lack of confidence that the future will not work out for me. Now, that's understandable. And if you're going through that like Moses was going through that, you're in good company. I can easily look over things, analyze them, and come up with a list of questions that all begin the same way. And here's how those questions began for Moses, and here's how those questions begin for us. Am I blank? Now, hang on to that. Am I able? Am I able to trust my political leaders? Am I confident the economy will come back to what it was before? Am I sure of what the church will look like after this is all over? Am I positive that my family will have a regular income at the end of all of this? Am I dreaming to think that my job is going to still be there? when we're all finally let out of our isolations, am I going to get sick if I go to the grocery store? The questions always begin with, am I? Am I able? Am I strong enough? Am I equipped? Am I smart enough? Am I able to do this thing? And I know these verses just like you do. Philippians 3, 4, uh, 4, 12, and 13. In every circumstance... Paul the Apostle writes, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And here's the big verse. I can do, say it with me, church, if you would. Here we go. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, you might look at that, you might say, oh, Paul the Apostle, sure he can say that. I mean, he was just beat by the Romans in shipwrecks. He was flogged a couple of times. Sure, he was hungry, and yeah, Paul Paul had it hard, but I have real-world issues that I'm dealing with here. And this verse is much easier to quote when I have a job and income and health and security in my future and a strong stock portfolio. If left on our own, every challenging situation that we face holds the potential to paralyze us in fear and worry and doubt. If we double-click on doubt, it can play havoc with our minds. And we almost always get to this tipping point where we think to ourselves, okay, this, this is too much. This is too big. One characteristic about faith that either you will learn to love or constantly get frustrated over is that God loves to take his people to the end of their ability So that God can show his own ability. Let me say that one more time. One characteristic of faith that you will either learn to love or really it will get on your nerves and frustrate you. Is that God loves to take us to the end of our ability so that he can show us his ability. I've been anxious to get to this passage actually in this study of Moses that we've been working through because... It's in this passage that we get to see God in a very unique way. These next 13 verses hold the potential of changing our outlook on this pandemic that we're going through. Amazingly enough, we are going down the same road that Moses went down 5,000 years ago. God has put Moses on a track to get to the end of himself, and Moses needs to get there quick because Moses needs to really see what God is doing. So take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6, we're going to start at verse 1. Here's how the story of the plagues begins. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he, that's Pharaoh, will send them out. That's God's people, the slaves. The the, uh, slaves. And with a strong hand, he, that's Pharaoh, will drive them out of his land. That's Egypt. God spoke this to Moses and then said to him, I am the Lord. God goes to introduce himself to Moses with the same name again. I am. God had told Moses his name at the burning bush. When Moses said, who shall I say sent me? God said to Moses, tell them the I am sent you. He hadn't introduced his name to Abraham, to Isaac, or to Jacob, but to Moses, he gives him this name, I am. And Moses had to think to himself, what in the world does I am mean? What kind of a name is I am? And it probably doesn't make sense until right now. He used this revealed name in a sentence to Moses so that Moses could finally understand what God was saying about his name. You see, our response to life is usually, am I able? Am I confident? Am I I worthy? Am I strong enough? Am I smart enough? God's response is always, I am. God's name is our answer to worry and fear and doubt. Moses used them all. Moses said, am I able? Am I equipped? Am I strong enough? Am I smart enough? And God says, no, Moses, you're not getting it. You are not able, but I am. There are five things that God is going to reveal to Moses about his character, all found in these next few verses. And they are all God's abilities to pull off something Moses cannot. And they're all revealed in his name. This is a powerful passage of scripture. Look at your Bibles there, because the first one is, I am resolved. In the passage that we just looked at, God says, I am resolved to accomplish my will no matter what. There's no obstacle that's going to get in my way. There's no challenge. There's no government. There's no stock market. There's no pandemic. There's nothing that can happen on the planet in existence that is going to stop me from accomplishing my will. I am resolved. God with a strong hand, he says in this verse, with a strong hand, he's going to accomplish his will. Pharaoh, Pharaoh says, God says about Pharaoh, I'm going to get Pharaoh to send you out with a strong hand. He's going to release you with a strong hand. Moses must be thinking to himself, I have no ability to do this because I literally just went to Pharaoh and he made everything worse. Pharaoh told everybody they had to work harder. They had to get their own Uh, items in order to make the bricks for the building. Moses had to come to -to face-to-face with his own doubts about his own abilities, and he was right. Moses couldn't do it. Moses had to get to this place. God had to bring him to this place because Moses had to realize he's not able. But God was all about being able. This was going to happen. This was going to be not Moses' story. This is God's gig. This is God's story. Moses was simply the tool that God was going to use. Our life, church, is about God's story from beginning to end. God's resolve is to accomplish His plan in His way. And I trust that plan. And my life is a a series of events that helps me trust that plan even more. And hopefully I learn to trust it more than my own plans. Moses and me, well... We're just cut from the same jib. We have the same blood running through us. We're we're just invited to play a part in what God is doing. Pharaoh plays a part. Moses plays a part. And church, you play a part. Every one of us plays a part. This is why God gives us life. You are here on purpose to be a part of what God is doing. This is one of my favorite verses, Philippians 1.6. Look at this on the screen. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will accomplish it, bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Church, why do we forget God's resolve to get things done? Well, we forget that God is resolved because we get confused about the plot of life. We begin to think that we are a major player, when in actuality there's only one major player. God is accomplishing his will in our lives. God's accomplishing his will on this earth. God's accomplishing his will in our generation. We are called to play a part. You see, it is a stage that's built for us to be a part of. But we play in front of an audience of one. He is the director and he is resolved to make sure it plays out properly. Well, the second thing God says about his I am name is that he says, I am faithful. Look in verse three. I appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, that's the Lord, his name I am, Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. God admits purposefully keeping his name from Abraham and Isaac and and, and Jacob. Why? Why does he do that? Because he has been busy establishing one thing. He has been establishing his faithfulness. Moses is meant to look at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and not necessarily see the I am promises at, at, the, at the point when they're made. God, uh, Moses is meant to look backwards and see God's faithfulness to Abraham and God's faithfulness to Jacob, God's faithfulness to Isaac. And we are meant to look at history and see God's faithfulness to us. This is why we have the Bible. The Bible is given to us so that we can be reminded that God is faithful. I am faithful. He's been making regular promises and fulfilling them regularly. He's been driving us a history to observe his faithful heart toward his children. He's been faithful in the past so that we can trust him in the future. Look at verse 4. He, he goes on to say, I've also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land which they, in which they lived as sojourners. Translate covenant as promises. God has made promises to Israel and intends on keeping them. He hasn't forgotten his promises. That's what the Bible means when it says, His faithfulness stretches to all generations. You see, when God makes a promise, it's as good as gold. And it's made to one generation and the next generation. And then God's faithfulness stretches to all generations. We get impatient We get fearful, we get doubtful, but God always stays faithfully on track. So I want to ask you, are you experiencing anxiety? Are you experiencing fear, anger? God says to Moses what he says to us. The antidote to all of these is remember who I am. God says, remember who I am. The past declares the faithfulness of God. God says, I am faithful. Look at verse five. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of my people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves. Here it is again. And I have remembered my covenant. Moses, you've forgotten who I am. Remember, I'm the covenant. I'm the one that remembers my covenant. Where do we find these promises? We find them in God's word. Listen, that's why we worship God constantly. That's why we sing praises constantly. We're constantly reminding not God that he's faithful. We're constantly reminding ourselves that God is faithful. Why do we forget that God is faithful? Why do we forget that God says, I am faithful to my promises? You know why, church? It's because we don't give thanks enough. We have a tendency to ask God for a lot of stuff and we're welcome to do that. But if you're missing out on trusting God in his faithfulness, maybe you should think about giving God more thanks. Number three, God says, I am able. Look at verse six. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. Here it is again. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. How many times does God say, I will, in this sentence? Moses is meant to understand that there's no doubt in God's mind. He has the powerful ability to pull this and a hundred other things off at the same time. God has the power and we do not. So we are asked to trust him. I love how he just keeps saying, I will do this. I will do this. There is no doubt in God's mind. This story is going to play out exactly like he has planned because he is powerful. The imagery is meant for us to understand God's power in contrast to Pharaoh. Look at verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, this is way back in verse one. Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh for with a strong hand, he will send them out. And with a strong hand, he will deliver them out of this land. That strong hand is the same verbiage as an outstretched arm with power, with with strength. Pharaoh is gonna get rid of these slaves. He's gonna force them out with strength. Why? Because God's strength will force Pharaoh to do what God wants him to do. God's strength forces Pharaoh to comply not just give in, not just surrender, but to all in comply to where he is willing to force Israel to freedom with strength. Church, how do we forget that God is able? How do we forget about God's power? What is it that causes us to forget that God is able to do anything that we ask or think or even above those things? Well, simply this. We surrender power to our circumstances. We give our circumstances more power than they deserve. Instead of realizing that God is greater than our circumstances, we think our circumstances are beyond God's control. And that's wrong. I want you to know that I have a way to gauge this. If this is happening to you, if you're thinking to yourself, these circumstances are beyond my control and they must be beyond God's control. Here's a solution. Watch your prayer life. Spend time in prayer. Because the more time you spend in prayer, the more you acknowledge where the power comes from. We always ask help from the one who we know is most on our side. And so I'd encourage you, church, spend time in prayer. That's an acknowledgement that God's power is all you need. God goes on to use, I am again. Number four, he says to Moses, Moses, I am on your side. <clears throat> I will take you to be my people, he says in verse seven, I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who has brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. Don't you love that God calls us his own? God created us. God God freed us from sin. God provided his son to be a sacrifice for our sins. God called us each as individuals to be part of his family. This is God's plan to put together his own family. It started way back at the beginning of the book of of Genesis in the Bible, and it has continued all the way through. And if he went to all that trouble to make us his own, why then do we think he'll forget us now? So here's the question. Why do we forget that God calls us his own? Why do we think that God forgets about working all things together for our good? I would say because we don't really know God. We need to spend time in God's word, learning about him. Like Paul, Paul said, I, Apostle Paul in the New Testament says, I would give it all up just to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. So if you're lacking in the ability to be confident about God being the I am the one at your side, I am with you, spend more time in God's word. You'll discover a God who never abandons his own. Number five, God says to Moses, I am promise keeper. Look at verse eight, I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. And then he seals it with his name again. I am the Lord. Moses needed a pep talk because he heard about the promises. He heard about the promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. But he never dreamed they would come true in his lifetime. He knew the stories. He heard that God was a promise keeper. He just never applied those promises to himself. He was a slave deep down. He was for 80 years either a slave or an outcast. To believe that God made these promises to him was a stretch. And so here's the question, church, why do we forget that God keeps his promises? Well, simply because sometimes we don't really believe those promises are for us. We believe they're for other people. They're for other righteous individuals, but they may not necessarily apply to us church, I want you to know that if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, all promises are true. Every word, every line is for you. Look at verse 9. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they still, they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. Church, this is why we forget. Our circumstances convince us to wash away faith and live by sight. We forget that we are to live by faith. Now, I know in normal situations, Sunday school answers just don't seem to work, right? <laughs> Craig, this is a wonderful message. I understand the I am about God a little better, Better, but those are really Sunday school answers. I'm in a real bind here. My future is washing away in front of my eyes. My stock portfolio is going down the tubes. My family is sick and we're scared to go grocery shopping. My business is dying. Now, I want to tell you, church, faith was never meant to stay in a church building. Faith was never meant to work really well on paper. Faith was intended to function best in real time. And we have been injected into the life of Moses in a way that is powerful because Moses was forced to live by faith, to believe in the I am. And we are today, The same. So what? Well, the big question at this point is: what in your life feels so big that God can't fix it? Does it seem like we're walking the same road as Moses? Moses needs to learn this lesson real quick because he's 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 on stage in a few minutes. He's got he's got to perform, he's got to do what he's called to do. And church, we are called on board. Now, for such a time as this, we are on. And it's time to live by faith. It's time to step up and do what we say we believe. Maybe God's getting us into that same place he was getting Moses real quick. So I only have two two for you to remember this this morning. First one is this. God says, I am, so you can. (laughs) I love this. I am, so you can. God doesn't let Moses off the hook. God's name was big enough to get Moses back on track. Look at verse 10. So the Lord said to Moses, go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his hand. God said to Moses, listen, I've told you who I am. Now go get the job done. Moses wanted nothing more than for God to wake up one day and say, you know what, Moses, let's call the whole thing off. (laughs) Let's let's let you head back home. You've done enough. Enjoy your remaining life. Oh, Moses would have loved that. But that's not what Moses was called to do. That's not his purpose in life. Moses should have been about doing God's will. And that's exactly what we should be about as well. Life is not about being our story being accomplished, life is about God's story being accomplished through us. So let's align our expectations to what God's expectations might be. There's a song that goes like this, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden along with the sunshine, there's gotta be a little rain sometime. You see, God never promised us to stay where we are. God never promised us to keep our comforts of life that we enjoy today. God never promised to keep your standard of living the same. But God does promise certain things, certain things that you can take to the bank. He is so we can. And here's the things that God promises. He promises to build his church. He promises to protect you and keep you. He promises to make you more like Jesus. He promises to go the journey with you. And he promises you that he will keep you for heaven. I'm hoping that for those who live by faith, seeing God's will be done is what brings us the real joy. You see, that's what it means to walk by faith. Second thing is this. Even when you doubt, the I am still can. Look, Verse 12, But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips." Moses still wasn't getting it. It's like he's reminding God of what happened in the past. It's like God went through this this whole spiel with him. And it's almost like he's saying, Moses, did you not hear a thing that I just said? I am, so you can. You're right, Moses. They'll never listen to you. They, They will listen to me. Watch what I can do. Verse 13, he says, The Lord I Am spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Literally, the I Am spoke to Moses and to Aaron and said, trust me. This is the end of the call, and now it's time for action. Everything up to this point has been Moses being called to do this job, this this huge responsibility, and he tried to do it on his own. He, he did what God asked him to do, and Pharaoh said, take a long walk off a short pier. But now it's time for God to take over. You see, Moses' questions were, am I? Am I able? Am I confident? Am I equipped enough? And God said, now you know, you're not, but I am. Moses is about to enter into the pinnacle of his calling. This is what he was crafted to do. And even though the future seems so difficult to navigate, the answer to all his questions are no, you're not able, but I am. Church, I want to finish with a very serious message to you this morning. Nobody in our generation has seen what you're going through at this point in time. Nobody. We haven't had a pandemic that forced us into isolation in our lifetimes. Of course, we will doubt, of course, we will fear. Of course, we will be confused as to what God is doing and and what's happening around us. But but, but church, God's got this. God never woke up in the morning and said, I never saw that coming. God has got this. We ask, am I able? Am I capable? Am I equipped? Am I gifted? Am I strong enough? God's response is always, I am. When did we ever think this problem was ours to begin with? Don't get confused into believing this life is out of God's control for the very first time in human history, and because it's not. God is resolved. God is faithful. God is able. God is on your side, and God is promise keeper. You don't have to fear or doubt anymore. God is working on a cosmic scale here. The I am has got this. Let me pray with you. Father, for this church and for those who are listening to brothers and sisters and those who are searching, may you give us a sense of belonging to you this morning so that we can hand over our fears, our doubts, our worries that sink us into these holes of desperation. May we hand them over freely to you. Father, may you take them from us and remind us we can't, but you can Our questions of, am I able, always end with, no, I'm I'm not able. But you give us your name to remind us you are able. The I am is capable of doing anything and is on our side. I'm so grateful for that. So I pray for those who are hurting this morning, who are broken, who might feel like they are seriously alone, maybe who are even sick. Father, may you give them a sense of, that you are by their side, you are resolved, you are promise keeper, you are able, and you are the one who walks the journey with them. And in this way, Father, may we truly be people who walk by faith and not by sight. You've certainly given us enough history so that we can believe it. May we do more than just write it down as a Sunday school answer. May we really live like we believe you're in control, and you've got this. So give hope to those who need it. Build up those who are broken. And may we give you the, the credit for being in control because you truly are. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.